This week's episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you by Fansets, the place for amazing pin collectibles. You know, they have close to 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins to choose from, with new pins coming out every month. See all the pins and collectibles they have to offer at fansets.com, and stay tuned for this week's special Trek Geeks discount code. I like that. Fansets, we are Star Trek. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. cloaked Romulan warbird on its way to the Caleb sector and the Podfleet Command special base for auditory entertainment. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings one and all Trekkies everywhere all over the galaxy. Welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host Bill Smith. We are excited to have you here. This is episode number 190. I know. Pretty soon we're going to be at the 200 mark, which really kind of blows our minds. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, But we're so grateful to you for downloading and listening every single week. If this is your first time or your 190th time, we are glad you're here. And of course, by we, I do mean my co-host and I. You know, if there was somebody I'd like to surgically alter to make his face look better, um, it would probably be this gentleman. Because, yeesh. Oof. Let's just say it's a good thing this is an audio podcast. He's the uh, he's the largely memeable Dan Davidson. And Dan, um, good to see you, buddy. Your, your face, that's number one. Well, no, you got to do it the right way, though. I, 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 your face because, is an enemy. Well, hold on. Uh, because today we're going to be talking about <laughs> face of the enemy. Yeah, your face is an enemy. There we go. Uh, wow, that's just, um, you're really terrible at this. It's, it's early, but it's great to be here. Yes, thanks, Bill. Episode 190. Wow, who would have thought four and a half years ago that we'd be sitting here on a Sunday morning recording our 190th episode of the Trek Geeks podcast? It really is cool. I'm so happy to be here. Love doing it with you. Love all the people, all the friends that we've met. It's great. And today we're going to deep dive into an episode of TNG that for some odd reason, was the first one that popped into my tiny little brain when you said, hey, Dan, pick an episode of TNG. We're going to talk about it. Boom. Face of the enemy. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Why. It came out of nowhere, and I loved the selection as soon as you picked it because, I mean, there's a lot that goes on in this episode. The thing that surprises me the most is that it literally took five and a half seasons for them to give Deanna something worthwhile to do other than to say, I feel he's lying. And they, yeah, and they covered up her face to do it, pretty much. So yeah, yeah, I don't know why they did that, but it's a great, it is a great Deanna episode and some good intrigue. It's a good Star Trek story, and and I'm glad that that's the one that came into my head instead of I don't know, Code of Honor, Aquiel. <laughs> Let's <laughs> do that next week. <laughs> and we the children shall lead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but that's not TNG, Bill. We're talking about TNG today. Come on. 
I just just picking bad episodes. Well, that, oh, that could be a great cosplay next year. We've already talked about that. <laughs> I, hey, anyway. nothing says you can't cosplay it still. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. So face of the enemy. Your face is an enemy. Nice. Much better. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. See, uh, we we talked about this uh, in in the Patreon part of our recording. Normally, we don't you know coordinate these your face things. They just happen naturally in the course of the program. And uh, you'll have to pardon us because this is the first time that we've actually tried to coordinate it, and we're doing terribly. <laughs> it's a good, yeah. When you when you try to script it, it gets screwed up. But I don't yeah, know. I, all I have to say is this is going to be a great episode. We got a lot of stuffs for y'all. I just got to say that right now. Why would you say that? That's, that's, I, that's so dumb. Know. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your face is dumb. Hey, that's wow. We're, okay, people, we're going to apologize right now because. There's going to be a lot of your face comments this week. Lots of your face comments. I apologize for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I apologize for is your voice, which right now is going to tell people (laughs) how they can get in touch with us to say, stop saying your face. (laughs) Don't do that. Oh, well. Anyway, it is. It is so easy to get in touch with us. Just head on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you can find a variety of ways to get in touch with either Bill or myself. You can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat us. You can fill out the contact form and type us out a personalized message. Or you can even click on that big blue button on the right side of the website and leave us a message with your very own mellifluous voice using SpeakPipe. And hey, don't forget the place to be on Facebook these days is the official Trek Geeks Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Bring your Trek talk, your Trek picks, and your Trek love over to the site and join over 1,500 other friends to talk all things Trek. It is the place on social media where the Trek talk is positive with no bashing or gatekeeping allowed. Plus, if there are new announcements about the Trek Geeks podcast network, you are going to hear about it first in Camp Kittimer before anyone else in the quadrant. To join the group, just head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Dan, for the amazing job they do running the camp. But please, I know we're doing a Romulan episode, but I had to say that in Klingon at least once. I I have no idea what to say to you right now. Um, mm, that's I, a first. Because uh, unlike your English, your Klingon was actually flawless. You know, I listen to Mary Chifo and I learn, baby. I learn. Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Well, well, wait, wait, hold the phone, hold the phone. <laughs> it's been so exciting the last couple of weeks. I need to tone it down a little bit. No, no, you don't. All um, right, let's start this, over. This is an order from from the Admiralty of Podfleet Command that right. you need to kick it up a notch. So we're going right. to do take two. You ready? Take two. Me, 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 me. Okay. Dan, it's time for the news from TrekNews.net. Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. For all the stuffs on all the Star Treks, y'all. It's TrekNews.net. Wow. I, you have no idea how much your, your audio meter just 
just buried right there online at treknews.net. I mean, you put that thing in the, it wasn't red. It was crimson. It, it shot out the side of my computer. <laughs> yeah. It shot out the side of my computer and oh. I'm seven minutes away. Um, Wow. Uh, you clearly have had some coffee this morning. But Dan, <laughs> up first, New York Comic Con is fast approaching, and Star Trek is going to be pretty heavily featured during that weekend, won't it, uh, Mr. Klingon? Yes, uh, indeed it will, my friend. Uh, New York Comic Con takes place October 3rd through October 6th at the Jacob K. Javits Center in New York City. And both Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard will have their own panels at the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden. First up, the Star Trek Discovery panel will take place at 1 p.m. on Saturday, October 5th, with cast members Sonequa Martin-Green, Doug Jones, Mary Wiseman, Anthony Rapp, Wilson Cruz, and the newly added David Ajala, who will play Booker in Season 3. Also at the panel will be Star Trek executive producer Alex Kurtzman, and they will discuss the shocking finale of Season 2 and what we can expect in the third season following their jump 1,000 years into the future. Spoiler alerts do not count anymore because it's been several months, so sorry. Um, also, as that panel wraps up, the Picard panel will begin at 1.45 with Sir Patrick Stewart and series stars Alison Pill, Isa Briones, Michelle Hurd, Santiago Cabrera, Harry Treadaway and Evan Evagora. They will be joined by series producers to discuss aspects of the upcoming first season of Picard. Can't wait to see what comes out of that. I'm kind of hoping for trailer number two. And also, Bill, during this convention, the USS Discovery Transporter experience that was on hand at San Diego Comic-Con will also be set up for NYCC at the Javits Center's Crystal Palace. So that is pretty cool stuff for uh, what I'm sure is going to be another amazing weekend because New York Comic-Con really knows how to do it. Yeah, and um, I find it interesting that uh, they're actually going to take the Discovery or Star Trek panels to a large venue like the Hulu Theater at MSG, mm -hmm. which, by the way, is... 1.1 miles away from the Javits Center. So oh. if you're planning on being at those panels, um, they are not at the Javits. Um, they are at Madison Square Garden. Uh, it's an eight-minute car ride, assuming no traffic. Is there um, a tube they can take there, Bill? Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm just happy to look at maps because I'm like, wait a minute. MSG is not next door to the Javits. How far away is it? All right. Um, so it's... it's uh, plan, on, plan on some travel time. <laughs> nice. I... Um, I don't know if we're going to see anything new out of there or not. I, I almost want to say we probably won't. Uh, that's my prediction, but I've been wrong plenty of times before. Yeah. Um, new York Comic Con is just, uh, it, I think they're they're trying to make it more of a destination, but I, I have a hard time believing that we're going to see even a, a Discovery Season 3 pre preview because they're only shooting Episode 3 right now. That's sad. I hope you're wrong again. <clears throat> oh, I hope I'm wrong too. <laughs> we'll um, see. We'll see. You yeah. know, um, these things take time. Oh, well. Okay. Um, but yeah, it should be an amazing weekend. I can only imagine how much uh, stuff is going to be there. Um, I can only imagine all the Star Treks on top of everything else. Right. Um, and uh, here's hoping it's a great weekend for all our Trekkie friends who are attending. Uh, but also, Dan, as the anticipation of a card continues to build, uh, there was one person in particular who was pretty nervous about it and actually wound up having a panic attack. It's a great story, uh, and one that I actually missed until you told me about it, buddy. Uh, yeah, everyone's favorite number one, Jonathan Frakes, recently filmed his scenes for the upcoming Picard series, and he was a little afraid about doing it. He recently revealed that appearing on Star Trek Picard gave him an anxiety attack. 
quote, I hadn't acted in a long, long, long time. I hadn't played Riker in 18 years, and I've been very fortunate to be busy directing. I acted briefly in a movie in Winnipeg about 10 years ago, and I had a major anxiety attack because, for whatever reason, I'd forgotten to act. I forgot how to act. It was not a pretty picture for a few hours. I got my together and ended up doing fine, end quote. So uh, I hope we get to see the infamous Riker corridor walk, Bill, or maybe the leg over the chair routine uh, during his time on the show. But uh, uh, he's just so awesome. Every time we see him in any type of clip of behind the scenes stuff when he's directing, he's having such a great time. And I'm sure that once he got his Riker on, he was pretty awesome, just like he was back in TNG days. Yeah, I found it interesting that he feels like that skill is atrophied to some extent, mm. especially because, I mean, he makes being Riker look so effortless. Exactly. You know, we have a we have our time separating Riker and Frakes, even though they are two different people. Um, and and Jonathan is is hilarious, whereas Riker isn't necessarily. But um, at, I'm I can't wait to see what he does. I'm sure it's going to be a very different Riker than we're used to. Um, but maybe that helped him in his performance. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I've been trying to rack my brain about what type of of connection he will have with the series. And, of course, I have no idea. But it's going to be great to see him back on screen after, wow, 18 years. That's a long time. It is. Well, coming soon, man. We won't have to wait uh, very much longer, but yeah. it's just a little bit. So, mm-hmm. And finally, Dan, we discussed a little bit during last week's episode uh, about our visit to the official Star Trek original series set tour in Ticonderoga, New York. But now the details are out there and official for the world to hear. They are. It is official, and we are so bummed that we're not going to actually be able to attend this next big event at the original series set tour in just a couple of months. Uh, So set your phasers to cook, people, because it's Trexgiving time. That is correct. Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner, will be returning to the set for the fourth time on November 22nd through November 24th, and it'll include photo ops, autographs, set tours, karaoke, and get ready for this. Mr. Shatner himself will be deep-frying turkeys for a Thanksgiving dinner in Ticonderoga. You heard it here. Shatner cooking turkeys. That has got to be something just to watch. Uh, So for full details and to order tickets, please visit our friends at StarTrekTour.com. Bill, that is going to be just epic. I cannot even imagine how much fun that's going to be. I hope they use set phasers to cook as a hashtag because <laughs> because that was fantastic. It's the Thank best you. thing you've ever come up with. I appreciate that. It was. I'm, I wrote it. I'm like, eh, is that going to work? But evidently, it did. I appreciate that. I I wish I could go. I mean, that's. Uh, I will be physically in Atlanta, Georgia, um, for the Thanksgiving holiday starting that weekend, mm-hmm. and I go every year. And I, if there was anything I was going to go to instead. It would be Shatner at Ticonderoga, but tickets are already bought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, for the plane, that is. Right, right. Um, as much as it's going to be a fantastic weekend, and I'm jealous of everyone who's going, um, I uh, maybe next time. I can only imagine, now that we've been there and we've seen how how intimate and wonderful it is and how great all the people that work up there are, I can only imagine how great it's been when you have, a, when you have Shatner in that type of atmosphere. It's probably unlike anything you'll ever see at any other convention anywhere because there's so much going on and he's being shuffled from one place to another. It's going to be great up there. And, oh. and I, I'm, I'm really jealous for the people that are going to be up there uh, enjoying it. This is an experience you'll never get at any other convention, and this is this isn't going to happen at Star Trek Las Vegas. Let's be honest. Hmm. Um, this is the only. This is the kind of thing you can only do in an intimate setting. 
Um, and uh, it's it's a throwback to all those hometown cons that used to happen. I think it's I think it's awesome. I think it's what makes um, the experience of going to Ticonderoga even better for some of these celebrity weekends that they have. I um I'm I'm excited. I yeah. like Angelus. Like I said, I just I uh, as much as I, I'm not a big fan of turkey, I would go to deep to watch Shatner deep fried turkeys. Well, I got to say, uh, James Colley, take some videos of him cooking that turkey, buddy, and post them on social media because we want to see it. That's going to just be great. Yeah, because uh, I remember the Shatner uh, state. I think it was State Farm Insurance videos about how to be careful deep frying a turkey. <laughs> I um, don't remember those. Oh yeah, they're on the YouTube's. I'll um, check it out. Yeah. It was it was big. I think I talked about it one year when uh, I used to do the Shatner Miss blog. Mm. And that was one of the videos that I highlighted. But um, I I don't think it's one of the ones we covered in our audio. I don't think so. Uh, versions of Shatner Miss. Mm. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, that's uh, Star Trek Tour Go check out all the details because you're going to have one hell of a time. As always, we want to thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode. And as you might expect, they are hard at work creating new pins, not just for Star Trek, but for all kinds of other cool genres. I mean, like uh, DC Comics, uh, Harry Potter, which of course is still very huge, and even the Big Bang Theory. Bazinga! <laughs> Sorry, I, t- I love Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> the snorting was the best part of that. that was... <laughs> Actually, I'm, Bazinga aside, it's true. They're working on Big Bang Theory pins, which is awesome. We look forward to them. And the next round of Star Trek pins. Um, you know, Fansets had not planned on releasing anything this month because of all the pins that they made available during STLV, somewhere up around 20, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they can't help themselves. You know, they work hard. They love making new Star Trek pins for their customers. And uh, a little bird told me recently, Bill, that we may in fact see a couple new pins before the end of September. And that little Lou birdie told me that the new pins would be Discovery Season 2 Michael Burnham and Enterprise's awesome navigator, helmsman, all-around cool guy, Ensign Travis Mayweather. Ooh. Did you just say Lou birdie? Lou birdie, yeah. That's going to stick. <laughs> yes when Lou listens to this he's just going to know that that's how every text message with him is going to start off Oh, if forever now day made day, <laughs> hashtag day made uh, and indeed Dan all of that stuff is incredibly awesome news you know we love to report about the newest pins available and we have an exclusive about fan sets to announce right here right now. So remember the cool San Diego Comic-Con pins that were available just for attendees? Mm -hmm. The Picard Crest and the Starfleet Visitor pin? Well, for those people attending New York Comic-Con next month, in just a few weeks, actually, we've heard that there are going to be two exclusive pins for that con from Fansets. Now, we don't know exactly what they are, but CBS is supposed to be in something... uh, CBS is supposed to be announcing something very soon. I'm so excited about this that I can't get the words out. (laughs) Um, And you know, because these are exclusives, folks are only going to be able to get these at the convention. So you can be sure they're going to be something really special. So in the meantime, if you're not headed to New York Comic-Con, as a special bonus to Trek Geeks listeners, if you want to receive 15% off your entire order at fansets.com this week, simply enter the word RACAL. That's 
R-A-K-A-L, in all capital letters, RECALL at checkout. This bonus code is going to be available until Tuesday, September 17th, 2019 at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets. We are Star Trek, and we want to thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode. Dan, we move on into the main portion of our episode this week, where we are going to talk about the sixth season Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Face of the Enemy. Your face is an enemy. (laughs) (laughs) I love the Sheldon laugh so much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) You throw me when you do that. What can I say? I'd like to throw you far. Um... I don't know. You can probably believe this because this happens to us with some episodes over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't. I don't think I've watched this episode really since it came out in 1993. That's a long time. I've yeah. seen it since then, but I have not seen it for a long time uh, until I rewatched it in preparation for this uh, discussion. Yeah, and it's really too bad. I mean, because there are there are so many episodes in TNG to choose from as it is, but there are a lot of good episodes that that just never come to the top of somebody's head when they're thinking good Star Trek episodes. And this is one. This is one that's it's different and it's 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 good. There's there's intrigue and there's and there's uh there's conflict and there's good special effects and and the makeup is great. So as as great as makeup can be when you're talking about the weird Bromulans and TNG, but um that aside, I think it's a great episode. I love it. I'm glad that it's the first one that came into my head. Uh, I am too. I, I will say that this probably is one of my favorite teasers of all of the next gen episodes because of the way it starts off. It's a darkened room. You see the what looks like a Romulan computer panel on a mm-hmm. darkened wall. It you know, you, you see this sort of you know, it, it it pans around the room and you hear a voice which you kind of recognize as Deanna's. And you know, she asks for lights and nothing happens. You're like, Okay, what's going on here? And then the <laughs> lights come on and she looks in the mirror and she sells Yes that, that- that stunned, it, panicked it, surprise. Intake of airs is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. You know, the viewer is as shocked as she is because you're like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Um, is this who she really is? Was the first question that went through my mind in 1993. And it's a a great place to leave the viewer right before the opening credits. Right. I mean, it's... it's TNG know how to do stuff like that. They had a lot of teasers that really sucked you in before the opening credits even took place. And this is definitely one. And... You know, I I don't remember the my initial reaction the first time that it that it aired. What I was thinking when we saw her as a Romulan, um, you know, you know, is it holodeck? You know, we've seen episodes where people are put into situations that they don't know they're being put into. Um, but it's great, and and the thing that I love so much about this episode is we see that initial shock with her. And then as the episode progresses, we find out what she needs to do when she's talking to to. Um, uh, Navek, and then when she first meets the Klingon commander, she really does not do a good job at being a Tal Shiar agent. She really just does not sell it at all. She's Deanna, but, exactly. Yeah. But then you see this transformation into this this cold Tal Shiar agent, and she does a great job. As difficult as it is for her, you can tell that she struggles with it because it's not who she is. But she sells it, man. She does a she does a great job when she really has to play that part. I was always fascinated by the choice of Deanna um, by the Romulans, or specifically by Novak. Because it's like Deanna says at one point, well, why couldn't you have just gotten another Romulan? And his reasoning is sound. 
but it, it makes me wonder why not why not somebody else why yeah. her i just have to think it was maybe right place right time as far as the romulans were concerned but this episode you know reinforces a theory i've always had about star trek and this may lead us to a a discuss you know, an ep- a future episode of trek geeks where we talk about um uh immutable truths in the star trek universe mm. uh, there are always caves in star trek always um never go on vacation <laughs> or to a conference yeah. Oh, very because good. Yep. every time somebody goes on vacation or to a conference, um, they either get kidnapped or wind up working. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at Jordy, right? In yeah. um, in his episode, it's uh, brainwashed. Yeah. yeah, the the yep. the Manchurian candidate in space, as I like yes. to call it. Yep. Um, you know, Picard when he goes to Riza. Right. You know, if you're on the Enterprise D and you go somewhere, you're you're or, or even Riker and Troy down to Beta Z, they get kidnapped by Ferengi. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> but still, you right. know, they get kidnapped. Um, uh, what is up with security in the Federation in the 24th century? I mean, <laughs> I don't. So, uh, but no, it's it. It was an interesting choice to me, and ultimately, I think it was really the only choice because without Deanna, without having an empath, they would have just beamed whoever was pretending to be Recall over to that ship, and they would have mm-hmm. been dead. Right. Absolutely. I. I like the I like the choice of Deanna for this role. Um, I think partly because it is so different for her, so we get to see a side of her that she's not comfortable with. And to be quite honest, I'm not comfortable with either. We're not used to seeing Deanna act this way, um, so it's it's really something. I like it when the writers decide to do things that are different for the character and that we're not used to seeing. And and it, it really works in this episode, I think. Well, and really from start to finish, this episode is written beautifully. Um, you know, the, the stories by Rene uh, Echevarria and, and the teleplay by Naren Shankar, uh, it just, it, it works from start to finish. Um, and I have to say that, you know, Gabrielle Beaumont, who, mm-hmm. you know, the first woman to direct episodes in Star Trek was brought on for this episode. And I think that that, was probably one of the best choices they could have made, yep. um, especially with Marina having such a heavy role in this episode. Um, certainly, there have been other, you know, uh, individual character focus episodes in Next Gen before as an ensemble show, but um, this one they really need to take Deanna in a different spot. And I thought that their choice of director in this episode was perfect. I think it was perfect for for a whole bunch of reasons, but mostly for this, we have a a female director who does a great job at at um, at directing TNG episodes. We have a female character of the show who the focus is on, and she does a great job. And we have a female commander of the Romulan vessel, the Kazara. Dude, I gotta say, and I say this with the highest respect. Female Romulan commanders scare the bejesus out of me. We saw the Romulan commander in TOS, and she just did a great job. We see this one, um, uh, what's her name, Toref, um, in this episode. She is chilling. And if you look at her versus somebody like Tomalok, come on, man. There's no there's no choice but 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 Toreth as the Romulan that I would most fear if between those two. The females in this episode, uh, the the women I should say, the, the female commander as, as they always call her, um, but the women in this episode just knock it out of the park and she is a scary commander. So let's talk about Carolyn Seymour for a minute who mm-hmm. plays Commander Toreth in this episode. We first saw her in the TNG episode Contagion playing... A Romulan commander, <laughs> uh, Commander Taris. 
Um, we then saw her in probably her most memorable TNG role as Marasta Yale. Yes. In the next gen episode, not movie, First Contact, um, which I thought was was probably some of her best work, mm-hmm. um, uh, pretty much ever. And then after Face of the Enemy, we see her a couple of times in Voyager and Cathexis in Persistence of Vision as a as a holodeck character, Mrs. Templeton. Yes. Um, but she is. She is lights out amazing. I wish they had only found a permanent role for her in Star Trek. Uh, like, I wish Marasta Yale had become a series regular. That's how much right. I like that character. Well, one thing that I've always thought about this episode, and I really was thinking about it this week when I when I rewatch it, is we never get to see what happens after Deanna's beamed off of the Kazara. We never see... Um, what happens with with the commander is something does something bad happen to her because she let this happen is she does she go in full rage mode because she was deceived i mean it would have been really great to have a story of what happened to her so i would have loved to have seen this particular character again after face of the enemy had aired well you know and this is one of the things that that star trek has often been guilty of i mean next gen got around it a little bit by bringing back some plot lines but largely as an episodic series, it had amnesia from week to week. Right. And this is the kind of thing that I wish Deanna had had a chance to work through. Mm-hmm. Because I think this would have been a really interesting facet of her character going forward. You know, she's been violated. You know, she's been kidnapped, taken against her will, assaulted. She's been surgically altered to look like a Romulan. She's now got, you know, the lives of, of these three Romulan dissidents and everybody else on that ship on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. And she's got to carry them through this this mission. And it's not a mission she signed on for. I thought that dealing with the fallout from that, much like the way Picard had to deal with the his fallout from the Borg for a single episode. Um <laughs> Did I say that out loud? No, um, I, didn't, I didn't hear a thing. It would have been really <laughs> effective growth of that character, especially as somebody who counsels others. I mean, who counsels the counselor? Right. Yeah, I thought that really would have been a great, great avenue to go down. That's who watches the watchers, who yeah. counsels the counselor. I like uh, that. That's what I was thinking um, of. Not only all of the people on the ship and the, and the dissidents, she probably is going to have to live with the fact that all of the people on that freighter were killed. Uh, when Navek decided to just press the button and boom, boom goes the dynamite. Uh, that was it, and she and you could tell that that really bothered her. Um, so yeah, she's got a lot. She's got a lot going on in this episode that she has to deal with, and we never really see it. The only time we ever really see or saw any after effects of a traumatic thing taking place was, of course, with Picard and his assimilation. And and um, I I think that this was a missed opportunity, like you said. It could, it certainly could have been something that they could have not even focused on later, but had a couple of little little things thrown at you from time to time. So oh well. The other thing that I think would have been effective was to not uh, invoke Spock without seeing Spock. You know, because there's a, a large part of the plot of this is driven by a message from Ambassador Spock, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, the, the code word, you know, for want of a better phrase, the thing that really makes Picard realize that Ensign DeSev means, you know, is telling the truth and means business is cowboy diplomacy. Yeah. All right. So we get that tie in back to unification. That's fantastic. I love it. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I got it from Spock. Yeah. That's like, well, that's it. That's it. I mean, I yeah. thought that. Maybe there could have been a great interaction between Troy and Spock somehow, mm-hmm. perhaps over even over a view screen. Right. Um, I thought that that could have been really effective. Uh, granted, you know, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy wasn't cheap. Um, <laughs> you know, as far as salary, you know, requirements for 
you know, for working on a series. Yeah. But if you're going to tell a story like this and you're going to invoke Spock, then I thought that it would have been good to work him in some way and to give Troy something to work off of. There. Mm-hmm. Even if it was just a video message of some kind. Yeah. And we got to see a little clip. Um, speaking of DeSev, I wanted to talk about it. One thing real quick. Um, I, I like and I dislike this this guy. First of all, oh, Romulan wardrobe is just pitiful. <laughs> um, it's just really bad. And, and and their hairstyles are pretty much just as bad. That hairstyle that he's got on, now that he's you know kind of gone over to the Romulan side and has been there for, what was it, like 20 years or something? I forget how long he was over there. He's got the hairstyle going. He's got the uniform. He's got the war- He talks. When somebody asks him a question, he says, I swear. So, I mean, he, I like how they pull that in. But the character just, it, he was kind of milksoppy for me. Does that make sense? It, no, it just didn't. I, no, it kind of does. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. First, the Romulan wardrobe. I mean, they have more. They got more shoulder pads than an MC Hammer music video. For God's sake, <laughs> um, uh, you know, and it, the hair. I mean, okay, so you're human. You elect to go to Romulus, but there's no way in hell I elect to get that haircut. Why Romulans choose to have that pronounced a widow's peak, I will never know. And um, it's not exactly flattering. No, it's not. You know the way that it comes down with the points, and I gotta say, I, I don't. I'm, I certainly don't mean to make fun of anybody, but my wife and I were somewhere like last week, and we were in line, and I, I was, she was standing, um, kind of looking towards me in front of me, and I said, "Oh my God, honey, turn around! That woman has a Romulan hairdo," and turned around, and she started laughing. She started laughing because she knew exactly what I meant. Had that weird curl with the points down to the down to the side. It's just, it's not a good look. It look, it actually kind of looked good on the woman. But it, it's just it's not great. It's and with the seven, it looks like they took the wig that they used on Denise Crosby and just put it on his head. I, I think that may actually be what they did. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, to tangent away, just for one more quick second away from the episode and talk about the Romulans in general. Um, I've never liked the fact that TNG gave the Romulans forehead ridges. Yeah. Okay, now, granted, this goes with all the changes that they never explained with the Klingons mm-hmm. and the Endorians mm-hmm. and the Cardassians mm-hmm. and the Klingons eventually. Um, Trill. At Trill, the mm-hmm. Klingons multiple times. Um, I, I get it, but they're supposed to be, they're supposed to look like the Vulcans. Right. Right. And to all of a sudden develop face ridges within 90 some odd years um, just didn't really make sense to me. Maybe um, they were the southern version of the Romulans and they had a lot more darkness from the other planet. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you know, you know. Now, I get that this is this is picking a very tiny nit. And with all the discussion we have about just enjoying Discovery, um, I get it. I sound mm. like a hypocrite right now. Yeah. Yeah. But in unification, when you have Vulcan with no head ridges <laughs> and Romulans with all the head ridges in the world, yo, um, it's it's a little distracting. Their ears are different, too. Yeah, they are. They really are more pronounced um, than Vulcans. Um, uh, you know, it's it's easy to overlook. Um, but it is, it is there. I mean, I think the first time we saw Mark Alimo, I think was the first Romulan that we saw in TNG. Yeah. And we're like... What the hell is that? Yeah. But yeah, uh, whatever. I guess it's okay. (laughs) So back to the episode we're discussing today, Face of the Enemy. Your face is an enemy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you, Sheldon. Um, Let's talk about that B-plot for a minute with Ensign DeSev. It's a little bit awkward in that um, it's... 
I, 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 something about the character just doesn't ring true to me. Yeah, see? Um, <laughs> not so much that he's milk soppy, like, like you said, but um, I just, I don't get that he has any sense of conviction. I get why he left. I get why he stayed in Romulus because you know they're they're black and white society and everything has an order to it. Um, but I don't. Uh, he just he doesn't demonstrate any real conviction to want to come back, even if it's to help these dissidents get you home. Know, and it just it, it the whole all of the scenes with him seem kind of empty to me. You know what he reminds me of? This just popped into my head: the episode where Picard uh, tapestry. Where Picard goes kind of back in time after he gets stabbed um, and lives his life a different way. He has no strength. He has no desire to succeed. This guy reminds me of that a little bit. He just He's just, eh, I'm here. I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, this guy wants me to tell you the story about these guys that are in these tubes and they want to come over and help the Federation. Thanks, I swear. It, that's kind of what it feels like to me. It's not. It, there's no gravitas to what he's talking about. Do you think it's because they've told him he needs to go home, and because he's the only one who can lure the Enterprise to the Caleb sector, and he knows he's going to be imprisoned? Another good example of if we had seen more of this guy later, maybe we would have found out what his thought process was. Even I think they could have worked that dialogue into the scene. You know, sure. I'm not excited to be here, Captain. I didn't want to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I came back so that these three uh, defectors could right. could have a chance. Right. I, yeah. I thought that, that would have been good context to add because otherwise he really just sounds like a guy from New York in Romulan makeup who doesn't want to be there. <laughs> okay, that's good. You know, I do love I do love the Riker line when he first transports over. And I forget the actual line. Just get out of that uniform or put on some real clothes or something like that. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> you know. Let's talk a little bit about Riker for a second, because um, he takes a really dim view on anybody who isn't Starfleet. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. You know, uh, <laughs> he his obvious dislike of the Ferengi, his obvious dislike of Ensign Rowe when she comes aboard because of what happened, his uh, obvious dislike of uh, Tam Elbrun and Tin Man, mm-hmm. his obvious dislike of the deaf guy in Loud as a Whisper. Yeah. Um, what? What's oh, What was that character's name? Um Talking with Talkerston? Uh, no, God, no. <laughs> um, I'm drawing a blank. Um, yeah. uh, he had the beard. Riva, Riva. Yes. Yeah, and um, yeah. and here Ensign Desev. So Riker gets he really gets a hair across his butt for for characters like this who aren't as Starfleet as Starfleet is, and he he lets his disdain out there. He absolutely does, and and I'm drawing a mind blank because we're talking about so many different characters. Even people who in Starfleet, he can have a problem with the captain and chain of command. Uh, uh, Jellico, uh, thank you, Captain Jellico. Why did why why did I forget Jellico's name? That is just unforgivable. But well, because yeah. he figured he, in his estimation, Jellico is not as Starfleet as Starfleet gets. True, that's true. But yeah, you, he just he pouts when when he's dealing with these kind of people. And it, it the one thing I will say is I like how it's consistent. With all these different things that you've talked about, it's not just something that we see one episode and then he's not that way later. He's this way throughout the whole series, and I actually think that's an aspect of his character that I like. He doesn't change that way, even though he's kind of a big baby about it. Agreed. So, yeah. so back to Deanna. Um, 
she has to do a lot of growth really quickly in this episode. And the scene where she unloads on Vivek mm-hmm. really just sort of brings out the goosebumps. Yeah. Because when she essentially says she's going to airlock him if he doesn't listen, that's like, whoa. Deanna has never been driven to this before. She's never had to pull rank and even fake rank on right. somebody before. Yep. Because she knows that she has all the power in this, well, what amounts to a negotiation. Um, and she loses it on him, and it is, it is fantastic. It is, and his re- Navek's reaction is just those wide Galron like eyes. And and let's stop for just a second because I cannot believe that I didn't know until STLV that Scott McDonald plays Navek in this episode. Scott McDonald, of course, one of my heroes as Tosk, but seeing the picture on his table. It all clicked, and oh my god, I just have so much more appreciation for this episode even more. He sells that not only the entire episode, but that scene. You can see that he just wants to punch her in the face, but can't. <laughs> so he just sits there with his jaw clenched and his eyes wide open like, whoa, she's not screwing around. She's going to kill me. It was great. He did a fantastic job. Navek is great. I can't believe you didn't realize that either. I know. Superfan 1701. I know. I'm so sorry. And I also didn't know that he played one of the um, um, Azindi in Enterprise. But, of course, you couldn't tell because he had, like, 100% makeup on. You couldn't even tell in the slightest that it was him. Yeah. Really, um, uh, Nivek is is the closest you get to Scott McDonald. Because otherwise, it's just a lot of heavy prosthetic work. Right. Um, And he he begrudgingly makes the choice to do what she says. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though he knows that... Uh, this could really just send the whole plan down the toilet. Right. And it's really the only play they have at that point. And the fact that we see him vaporized at the end of the episode is such a downer. He was a great, another perfect example of another character I would have loved to see more of. This episode has a lot of that. And I think it, it was a shame that we got to see him, that, that, he, that he dies. But um, he died for the right reason. And uh, it, it still doesn't make it any easier. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. okay. I think that it was necessary for Deanna, though. It was. Um, uh, as far as in the scope of the story. I mean, mm-hmm. when she has that conversation with Picard at the end of the episode, right. and Picard has to point out he didn't die in vain. Exactly. Um, because he didn't. I mean, nope. they, they got the dissidents to safety. Um, you know, they, they were able to get through the situation, although I'm not sure that the Romulan commander is, is going to do very well after this. Mm. Um, I'm sure the, Tal, the real Tal Shiar is going to have a, a word or two with her. That's what I was going to suggest. Yep. Um, but uh, it, all in all, uh, it could have gone a lot worse. Now, the scene where Deanna comes on the screen, on the Enterprise <laughs> view screen, um, you see that look come over Picard like, what, what the, the hell? <laughs> and Riker in the background, you know, uh, is, uh, it's just a stream of bleeps in my mind. <laughs> and the slow coming up behind Picard's shoulder. Yeah. I mean, he, you can imagine, you know, that his poker face is on, but it's only so good. <laughs> yeah. As soon as they get off the channel, they're like, what the hell is she doing over there? It's like, but uh, y- no one knows, genius. You got to <laughs> hand it to Deanna. She knows how to subtly say what needs to be done, and Picard gets it. You see that little grin on his face uh, when he knows what what uh, what's going on and what she's planning. Um, it, it, yeah, I, that's a. I think that that scene is what the title is all about: face of the enemy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so too. Well, and also the subtext on on how these people that we view as our enemy really aren't 
all our enemies. They're just people. They're just people. And I think that's something that's a message that's timeless. I mean, it's timeless as Star Trek is. Yeah. I mean, we've heard sort of variations of that story throughout Star Trek, but this is really the one that kind of gets in your face about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they may look like our enemy. They may We may think they sound like our enemy, but in reality, kind of like in Unification, these people really just want, <laughs> they, they want a better life. Right. You know, they, they want not to live under this totalitarian regime. And uh, really, Troy is left with only one course of action, which is to help these dissidents, you know, get to safety so that maybe they may help others in the future. Did you find it a little bit too easy for her to get off the ship at the end of the episode? Yes and no. Um, uh, the Enterprise dropped their shields, but mm-hmm. um, which I understand, but... Um, Eh. It, it was a little, it was a little, a little manufactured, but I mean, yeah. it's not as quick as some of the Voyager resolutions. Well, the, oh god, yeah, don't even you know, start with that. I thought it was at least well crafted. Yeah. Okay. I um I I didn't I didn't have a bigger problem with it. Really. Okay. Let me ask you another question. Yeah. Um. And and it's all timeline is jumbling together right now. Is this the first time we hear about the Tal Shiar? No. Okay. One of the things that I can appreciate that they tried to do here. But I don't. Well, I'll get into that in a second. We, I think TNG with the Tal Shiar tries to make them look sort of like the Nazis of Romulus, and I don't think they succeed with that in TNG with the Tal Shiar or in DS9 with the Tal Shiar as well as they do with the Cardassians on Deep Space Nine. I think they are both written to try to to show that aspect of our history. Um, in these particular organizations, and I can I can quote appreciate what they tried to do here with that, and the way that they talked about um, at that dinner scene how the commander's father was taken away in the middle of the night and she never saw him again, and Deanna's response was clearly your father was a traitor. I think they 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 try to um, to to show us that version of the Tal Shiar, like what we're what we've seen um, in our past. But I don't think it's as successful as how they do it in Deep Space Nine with Cardassia. What do you think about that? Um, I think I think you're right. I mean, they're never mentioned on TNG again. And I actually have to correct myself. It actually is the first appearance of the Tal Shiar. Okay. All right. Um, uh, I was listening and actually researching that because I thought I might be wrong, and it turns out I was. Okay. Um, but yeah, they were first mentioned in the form of of imposter Major Recall, and then they're never mentioned in, in Next Gen again. Interesting. Um, although we see them in Deep Space Nine several times. Yes, which I love. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that DS Nine added some much much needed context. Um, so much needed depth to the Tal Shiar as opposed to just saying, oh, here's the Tal Shiar. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 well, I can't disagree with you. I think also they actually brought the Cardassians into TNG and we got a first look at them before Deep Space Nine. So we kind of got a little bit of backstory. We didn't get any backstory with Tal Shiar here. No. At all. No. Of course, you know, you could also say, well, what about the Obsidian Order in, in DS9? We didn't really get a lot from them. They kind of just showed up as a part of the organization of the Cardassian, quote, government. But still, I, th- I just always have thought that it was handled uh, better uh, on the Cardassian side of things than the Romulan side of things. I think it's because you know, the Cardassians played a much more central role in Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. than the Romulans did in Next Gen. Yeah, you know, the Romulans would show up occasionally in Next Gen and say, "Yep, we're going to attack you," yeah, and then never really do anything. Right. Um, you know, they, they were the they were essentially a, a new Cold War enemy of sorts. 
Um, yeah, exactly. And but whereas with the Cardassians, it was very different. You know, we we took over or we were invited in to administer a space station after their occupation and mm-hmm. saw what they did firsthand. Right. So it would have been kind of like being in, invited into Poland to run the country for them after World War II. Oh, nice analogy. I like that. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure Barry okay. is is going crazy <laughs> with that analogy right now because I'm sure it's wrong at about 37 different levels. Oh, that's our Barry. That's Barry. I love you, Barry. <laughs> I love you. Um, so the Federation dissidents make it there. It's it's when they're revealed, you know, because we have no idea what what, what the mission is about until that point. Mm-hmm. You realize sort of the stakes that this episode takes on. It's like, oh, oh. So that then when the freighter is destroyed later on, mm-hmm. that really kind of turns this episode on its ear. Um, and at that point as a viewer, I was left going, uh, what now? Yeah. Um, so I thought it was a, a box, a, a constructed box that they wrote in purposefully, but I thought they worked themselves out of it pretty nicely. The way the Enterprise gets there is a little, a little mm-hmm. hokey. Little hokey, Little I did hokey like. Overall. I did like the let's go, let's move forward and see if the if this if this sensor backs yeah. off. Yeah, very cool, good special effect, and Picard fell for it, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, as the rest of the episode uh, uh, panned out. But I did like that. That was kind of a it was kind of a cat and mouse TOS uh, little little callback there. I thought I really liked that. I was it just sh- going to say that. It shows that the Romulan commander, although she can be a little bit uh, over the top with how her emotions are handled, she is a military person and she she does the right things to find out what's going on. Well, you know, I was just going to say it, it invokes shades of the original series uh, very early on. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. it's how could it not? You know, it's, it's, it's two ships, one trying to be covert, one trying to not. Um, uh, it's, it's very original series. And that's, I think one of the things I appreciated about that the most. Um, yeah, God, you, you know, know I want to go back and watch balance of terror again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I don't know if disappointed is the right word because I really do enjoy this episode. And of course the series after this, we really don't hear anything about the, the movement on Romulus again. There's really not much told about it in, in any aspect of any series going forward yeah and that was a little bit disappointing i mean uh, i mean we know that spock was on stayed on romulus for a long time and and you know maybe we'll see something in the upcoming picard series because we know that there's a lot of romulan uh goings on so to speak and after the uh, events of nemesis and so forth but it's been 20 years since we really heard anything about that movement on romulus and that's uh, a little interesting to me well but now there's no more romulus well, that's true. Because but, in the prime timeline, Romulus, you know, exactly. uh, was destroyed by a star that went Nova. Right. And we know that, that Spock tried to help mm-hmm. um, and eventually wound up going back in time in, in a different timeline. <laughs> but we wa- I, I got to wonder if there was still something going on with any of the survivors, which led to whatever um, horrible incident took place in Picard's past before the Picard series starts that has anything to do with this movie or if it's something completely different Borg related we'll find out soon but it's it's something I've wondered about one of the short treks is supposed to be Picard related we just don't know how it's going to be Picard related right it could be Romulan it it could be Borg influence we're not really sure but um, there absolutely is more to tell about that story Mm, Um, I hope so yeah absolutely um, we can't get out of this episode without talking about how incredible Marina Sirtis is 
in face of the enemy. Your face is an enemy. Uh, she, uh, this episode is put on her shoulders squarely, and <laughs> she can fit on that outfit. Uh, yeah, because of the shoulder pads, <laughs> and um, she. She kills this episode at every level in a, in a very super positive way. I mean, mm-hmm. she she's the reason this episode works as well as it does. Do you think this is Marina's best uh, Troy episode yep. or moment? Yep. Yeah. Better than any. Yeah. I, I have to agree with that. I think it's her strongest performance. Because it's the one where she gets the most to do. Yeah. She's got the spotlight on her pretty much the whole episode. And she... she she put it right under her wing and, and flew with it, baby. It was great. She did a great job. You know, Deanna Troy serves a very necessary purpose on the Enterprise D, you know, in Picard's command structure. I mean, she provides counsel to the captain. She is responsible for the mental well-being of the crew. Mm-hmm. I understand the role she performs and why it's necessary at that point in Starfleet's history. But in this case, um, Deanna Troy gets a challenge like she never gets anywhere else in Star Trek. And she has to meet it or else there are grave consequences for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And Marina, the actress, plays this uh, amazingly well. Um, you see an actual arc in this episode for Deanna yeah. that that changes the character going forward. Because it's, it's after the varied experiences that Deanna has where she decides, you know what, maybe I am going to get that third pip on my shoulder. Or, I mean, on my collar. Um, yep. So that I can, you know... Uh, sit in the command chair a little more often, you know, between this and disaster and, uh, and a whole bunch of other episodes, Deanna has some incremental growth, but in this one, it takes her growth and it just sends it off the charts. Speaking of pips on her collar, we, we talked about that. The, she had several moments that shined in this episode for me. I mean, it, it all shine, but ones that stand out is that initial shock that when she sees that she's been altered as a, as a, uh, to be a Romulan. Also, the way that she's able to turn into the Tal Shiar agent. But when she points at her Tal Shiar logo or pip on her collar and says, this gives me the right. Yeah. Another great, great moment. And then her, um, at the end of the episode when she's talking to Picard, how she is now the counselor again, but she knows that she has to counsel herself, so to speak. I think that's another great moment in this episode. Can I say, though, also, Bill, that... um, Star Trek uh, in the future, in the 24th century, they really have the best cosmetic surgeons uh, ever. Um, <laughs> th- just amazing work. And there's never any uh, any sign that anything has ever happened to anybody. We've seen it with Deanna. We've seen it with Kira. It's pretty awesome stuff. Well, it's funny you mentioned Kira because when Second Skin, you know, was debuted on Deep Space Nine, I was really worried it was just going to be a ripoff of the script because it starts in a very similar way. <laughs> yeah, it does. Absolutely. Does. Um, yep. But it, it in itself is, is, a, is a great episode. But, you it know, is. Picard gets surgically altered as a Romulan. Dana gets surgically altered as a Romulan. Worf, uh, R- Worf gets surgically altered to look... Human? Not Klingon. <laughs> Riker looks like a... a um, yeah. Mentakin. So does yep. Troy. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody goes through this whole, oh, it's just... Uh, you know, it's all Kirk's fault. <laughs> from when Enterprise he was surgical incident. yeah from the Enterprise incident it's all Kirk's fault wow um, that guy jeez <clears throat> lastly I have to say that another among my favorite things of this episode are the scenes between Marina Sirtis and Carolyn Seymour mm-hmm. um, because the tension between these two characters yep. and the reasons why the commander doesn't like the Tal Shiar and why Troy is forced to to act like the Tal Shiar yeah. are really my favorite scenes in this episode. The The conflict between these two characters is is worth the price of admission alone. Those scenes are amazing. 
Um, I love that dialogue. We talked about the dialogue about how her father was was dragged off uh, by the Tal Shiar. And also you see that a little bit in one scene where uh, Nevek is going to show Deanna what's in the cargo containers. And she asks the guards to leave the room. And then she's like, they are really afraid of me. You really get a sense for how vile the Tal Shiar can be on Romulus with that scene, but add that to that discussion with the commander about what happened to her dad and the way that Deanna has to just put the knife in and twist it. She does a great job. Those those scenes are fantastic. Every scene with the two of them is really, really good in this episode. And Scott McDonald just punctuates those scenes with some Beautiful. of his reactions. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is an episode that, you know, despite some minor problems with the B story, Really just works for me on just about every level. Um, I can't say enough good things about Marina Sirtis in this episode. Mm-hmm. I wish they had given Troy more like this more often. Absolutely. Because not only was, was she a character that was capable of it, but certainly the actress was more than capable of working with this material. Because Absolutely. like we said, she just she knocks this out of the park at pretty much every level. Yeah, it's too bad that it took six seasons to get it that way. Yeah. Um, one thing I would also like to point out as a very small side note before we wrap things up, Bill, is, is it's interesting also to see the difference between a Federation starship and a Romulan uh, warbird in this episode because the Romulans have their sidearms on all the time, even on the bridge. And that's kind of scary. Tells you what kind of paranoia they may live under all the time. Kind of mirror universe-ish. Universe-ish-ish. Universe-ish-ish. Universe-ish. It is. It's, it's kind of totalitarian. It's kind of Cardassians or the same mm-hmm. way. For the yep. most part, yep. Um, it's it, it draws a clear and distinct difference between the Federation and uh, all of the things that they've accomplished, and everybody else um, who we just well, clearly we don't want to live there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. great episode, man. Great episode. Fantastic episode. I, I actually watched it a few times uh, just for the fun of it getting ready for this. I mean, usually yeah. I'll watch it just to analyze stuff because when we talk about an episode, I'll watch it watch it three or four times. Yeah. Um, no, I watched it once and I was ready. <laughs> um, and then I watched it a few more times just because it was that damn good. Yeah, damn good. Great, so. great episode. I'm glad, I'm glad we talked about it. It's good stuff. I'm glad this was your idea. Dan, you know what else is damn good? Hmm. That's our friends in the band Five Year Mission. They who have the newest podcast on the Trek Geeks Network. We love Five Year Mission. We're grateful for all the music that they let us use here on the Trek Geeks Network. And we're grateful that they've chosen to uh, to bring their podcastification mm-hmm. uh, to share with, with everybody uh, that, that listens to the Trek Geeks Network. So please, we want you to check out their podcast. We want you to check out their music at fiveyearmission.net. Go buy physical copies of all their albums. Because physical media is king. Yep. Um, you know, uh, let's let's show the band some love and uh, and subscribe to their podcast pretty much wherever you can get podcasts in your ear holes because really you're you're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, these five guys are also hilarious in addition <laughs> to being outstanding musicians, Dan. They are hilarious. They are outstanding musicians. And they've got good episodes of Star Trek under their belt. Five-year mission. It's awesome. And, you know, year one, year two, year three, year four, all the albums. are. We won't even go through the list. Oh, yeah, we will. Uh, Spock's Brain and Trouble with Tribbums. Pick them up. The Tribbums? Tribbums? Did I say Tribbums? Okay, anyway. Help me, Spook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fan, super fan 1701. But, you know, I really liked the episode that we talked about today, Bill, we've talked about it already. It's it's just so weird that this was the one that popped into my head when you asked me to choose an episode to discuss. Maybe it was because, as I think about it, it was the alternate version of this episode that I saw recently that made me think of 
Face of the Enemy. You know the one I'm talking about, buddy. Fark of the Enemy is the episode I'm thinking of. Troy is surgically altered to look like a Romulan to help an officer smuggle two band members across the neutral zone to be part of a big concert. Things get dicey, and although Mike and Patrick are beamed safely aboard the Enterprise, the captain of the Romulan vessel takes out a disruptor, vaporizes the man who helped Troy achieve their goal, and it was painful. But Commander Nafark paid the ultimate price for helping the music continue for all five-year mission fans. Good old Commander Nafark. Like the guy. Fark and the enemy. Thank you very much. Hello. Is this thing on? Hello. Unfortunately, yes, it is. <laughs> that, wow. That was a twofer, buddy. Twofer. The thing that gets me is that you actually wrote that down. I, I would have been more impressed if you come up with that off the top of your head, but you actually put thought into this, which really yeah. makes me question your mental state. Well, I, I've done so many awesome farks over the course of four years. Have you? I can't remember what I've done, so I have to write it down so that I don't. I don't want to repeat myself. Have I mean, you there's really so done? there's seven hundred hours and episodes and of of different oh. things that I can choose from, and farkisms are awesome, and everybody loves them. So I got to stay on the ball, baby. When do the awesome farkisms start? Because I'm really waiting for that to happen. Anything with the word fark in it is awesome. So I'm just gonna go with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't forget, <laughs> you can also support the Trek Geeks Network of Podcasts, which includes FARC and Five Year Mission, mm-hmm. by subscribing to bonus content via Patreon. You can get access to exclusive content you're just not going to get anywhere else, y'all. Uh, see the first of our annual supporter pins. The, the year two version, Dan, is going to be previewed pretty soon for our Patreons. Ooh. And uh, you can even get raw, unedited audio of Ye Old Trek Geeks podcast, along with a whole bunch of other perks. Was that a ye old? It was. That was awesome. Uh, we also want to take a moment to thank our associate producers of Trek Geeks. We are grateful for their support. And they include Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Sean Lynn, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, there he is again, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Christina Werther, and the gracious and wonderful... Conrad Hutchins. <laughs> wow, you almost you went into <laughs> DJ voice for Conrad Hutchins. I'm sure yes. Conrad's going to love that. Yeah, we also want to thank our producers for the Trek Geeks Network and all of their support. They are Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Corey Stone, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, and the lovely and talented Scott Vashon. If you'd like to become a producer on the network or even get access to raw audio for Trek Geeks episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today, where subscription levels start as low as $1 a month. That is pretty cool. You know what else is cool, Bill? Next week, we have a topic that we have talked about doing for a while, and it's a very personal and uh, it's a deeply personal discussion now you recently had an article posted on star trek.com regarding this topic and now it's time to tell your story and share your thoughts here on trek geeks so what is on tap next week my friend well dan next week we're going to look at what i've learned from saru it's going to be a a dovetail discussion off of the uh, column i wrote for star trek.com a few months ago um we're going to look at the character himself but we're also going to look at what he means to me in the scope of of my journey not only as a star trek fan but as a human being Uh, we will provide a warning to parents that this episode will contain a parental advisory uh, both for language and for adult themes 
including a discussion on child abuse. So uh, that is coming up next week. We will have warnings before and during the episode before that content occurs. But next week, we're going to talk about Saru uh, in a great many ways here on the Trek Geeks podcast, the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network. I love it. You know, I'm, I'm so proud of you, man. I really look forward to this discussion. Um, uh, I had my sim- I had my story. It's time for your story. And and I, I'm going to I'm going to just congratulate you now for for what I'm sure is going to be a really amazing discussion and bring lots of Kleenex. Yes. Oh, they're right here already. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we're going to do it the only way we know how. Of course, Dan, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, whether it's Five Year Mission, Polytrex, Discovering Trek. Soon it'll be Rewind added to our our family. Uh, there's just so much out there. You can find all of those podcasts at trekgeeks.com. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 190 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Your face is an enemy. Actually, I got two I got to ask you about. I'm going to have you chew it. Okay, ready? Here we go. Yeah, go. <clears throat> Here we go. Your coconut is an enemy or your face is a coconut. I like the second one. Uh, yeah. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DiscoveringTrek.com. Bing bong! Bing to the bong, bong to the bing. Bing bong. How about that? Huh? Little, little in there. Well, see, but it didn't sound like that because it didn't have that behind it. I don't know if I could do that. No, I can't do that. Never mind. You'd have to have like the uh, the sound effect queued up. On your yeah. computer and then launch your, uh, whatchamacallit, yeah, voice that's a, that's a great candy bar. Have you ever had one of those? I didn't like it. Oh, I love those. I have them. Actually, I had one like a month or two ago. I just saw it when I was, you know, it's, they put it in the checkout line. So, you know, like you're drawn to it. And I just went, oh, it was good. You did what? <laughs> Hi, how, how are you? <laughs> how much coffee have you had? I think I had a whatchamacallit. I got all the sugar in my system. <laughs> so, but yeah. I, um, what flavor you have? What do you think? Uh, something horribly coconut. Co- well, just coconut. Oh. Just- my wife tried a... Uh, oh, you sound like my father doing that. Don't do that. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, my wife tried a uh, Green Mountain Maple Pecan, which I, she hated. I think we tried that and did not even finish the box. Okay, so I'm not going to bring yeah. in the extra cake ups for you then. Yeah, I don't... I Do me a favor, bring one. So I can double check and see if that's the one. And, well, she uh, ordered a, a sampler pack, yeah. so she only got five cups. Oh, okay. I'll bring so them in. I'll, I'll I say that's four. Yeah, you'll try anything. I'll try anything. I'm like, Mikey, I'm like Mikey in the Life commercial. No, remember that? Said, yeah, I know. I remember that. I never ate Life cereal though. Cinnamon Life is very tasty. Really? Yeah. You know what else is good that we got yesterday? Your face? Actually, we haven't tried it, um, but we, we wanted to try it. And Sue's the one who actually wanted to get it, which I couldn't believe. Pumpkin Spice Cheerios. <laughs> what? We were in the, the, dude, I'm not even joking. There was a whole section. There was 
Special K pumpkin spice, Cheerios pumpkin spice, Pop-Tarts pumpkin spice, granola bars pumpkin spice. I mean, it's just like, it's like taking over the world. It's like the blob, but we're going to try it anyway. It's like the Borg. Exactly. Pumpkin spice is futile. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I like some pumpkin spice things. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The, uh. uh we're on a Cheerios kick lately. I was, I, we got blueberry Cheerios a few weeks ago, and they were fanta- oh, fantastic. I love Absolutely blueberry fantastic. anything. And I said to Sue, I said, you know what would be great? We're walking down the aisle like the week later. I go, you know, those blueberries were great. You know what would be awesome if they ever came out with like maple Cheerios? And we look on the on the cereal aisle, and there's a box of maple Cheerios. Oh. And they were fantastic, but you know what's even better? Maple and blueberry Cheerios mixed together. Oh my god. Oh, Oh it was so good. That's like alchemy. Why do you hate freedom? No, it's awesome. Hey, IDIC, baby. Everybody's something's favorite, so you be quiet. No, that's the champion rule. That's not IDIC. (laughs) Uh, Well, IDIC, you should welcome all forms of different buds. Different taste buds. Infinite diversity and infinite Cheerios? Yes. I like that. And we could, and instead of the, you know, with the with the triangle with the jewel, it'll be a Cheerio circle instead of the regular metal circle. I like that. Get to work no, on that on Photoshop. No, all right, I'll do it. No, I, maple blueberry. Ooh, oh, it's cool. Have you ever had blueberry pancakes with syrup on it? I don't put maple syrup on my blueberry. pancakes. Why do you hate America? I, I, I finally a, get to say that to you. No, I use a nice blueberry compote, which oh, is its own syrup, and a blueberry syrup you know on what? blueberry pancakes is to die for. If it's you, you should probably be putting blueberry compost on it because you're just a freak. You would make no sense. <laughs> blueberry compost? You, you're you're an idiot. <laughs> I, don't even have a, I don't even have anything to say about that because that's funny. <laughs> You're an idiot. That was good. Your face is an idiot. <laughs> That's what I'm surprised you didn't say. I, no, but see, I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be mean to you. You're my friend. Why start today? He just muted because he's about to have a coughing fit <laughs> from laughing so hard. Oh god! I don't want to be mean to you. <laughs> I don't want to be mean to you, Bill. <laughs> okay, people, if you could see the reaction of him whenever I turn into Cyrano Jones, it is the best. He's giving me signal signals right now that I really can't talk about. I'm flipping you off. <laughs> I am. I'm flipping there you, you off. <laughs> that's that's the best way to say that. I hate Cyrano Jones with a passion. <laughs> I just oh, I love how the uh, store up in Ticonderoga is Cyrano Jones. It's the Cyrano Jones store. I forget the name of it, but he's the picture of him on it. <laughs> I uh, uh, there's a picture of it in your Google Photos. Yes, I know. I'm not going to yeah. look at it. We're we're recording. Oh, well, thank you for prioritizing something for once during recording. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> and there he goes coughing. Yeah, he's turning blue. I can't. Oh, I'm so excited. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We had an amazing dinner last night. At I this, saw. This restaurant called Greenleaf in uh in this small town called Milford, New Hampshire. It's it's a it's a bedroom community outside of uh Nashua and uh, in Amherst, New Hampshire. I lived there for a good number of years in the early 2000s uh before I met my wife. And uh man, the food was incredible. Nice. Very cool. I had this um, Black Dahlia Martini. I'm uh, not Martini, margarita, margarita, which you would have really liked, mm-hmm. um, because there was some uh, some blueberry puree in there. Oh, yeah! I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Okay, I like that. Yeah, 
I like that. We had some uh, Hornitos tequila. Mm-hmm. Um, just it was it was fantastic. Some black salt around the rim. Nice mm, for the black dahlia little. part. I like that. Yeah. We actually went in the afternoon and had an afternoon martini at Copper Door. Nice. Yeah, Sue, uh, Chris, Donna, and I, and I had the uh, special of the month, which was a caramel apple martini, which had caramel around the rim of the oh, glass. Yeah. It was scrumptious. I'm sure it was delish. It was very, very good. Sue had a, um, uh, what was it called? It was, but it was a pickle pickle martini. It, it was. I, I don't know the name of it, but. Weird. It had pickle juice in it and a pickle, uh, as well as the vodka and everything like that. She said it was great. It wasn't as good as the pepperoncini teeny that she loves. Right, right. That's was, fantastic. It was very, very good. So yeah, it was nice. We had a, um, I had a uh, portabella and brie panini for a snack, and it was oh yeah, it was, it was I, I tasty. Saw that on the menu. Yeah, that's, so that's fantastic. Kind of a good time. And next time uh, we'll be joined by. Um, uh, Triple D star himself. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Guy Fieri? Uh, you don't want to talk about food. I tell you what, we're doing it right now at Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dorks. Wow, that was good. I like that. Okay, you're going to have to wear the uniform now. I've learned that from watching you. I've shaved my face. I can't do Guy Fieri. Yeah, no, grow it back. i got to grow this back. I think. Although, what you need to do is you need to grow your mustache back, but blonde out Yeah. the... The, the gray parts of your uh, of yeah. your goatee. Yep. Yeah, that's a lot of white there. That's all kids. Yeah, that's <laughs> all kids. Uh, no, it's because you're old. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Last week of the forties. <laughs> I know. I'm. I, I I feel for you, buddy. That's all right. I don't mind it. It's just a. It's just a number to me. It doesn't mean anything. Really. Some people have a really hard time with with these big numbers uh oh you're raising your hand okay yeah i i could care less i don't I'm, have any i'm not looking forward to turning 50 a couple weeks after you because i have enjoyed my 40s so much and i don't want my 40s to be over really realistically i know this doesn't call an end to what i enjoy it's just that i want to hang on to these 40s as long as i can and well you could just rename your 50s 40s plus 40s plus there you go 40s husky <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Thank nice. you. Thank you. It's like Sears Toughskins. <laughs> Very good. I like that. That was good. I um. Well, also, I mean, I remember when my parents each turned fifty, and they were both old. You know, yep. they'd raised nine kids. Yeah. You know, I was number eight. Yeah. Um. And you know, they number they, one to me. They looked older. Yeah. You know, they they were older. Um. They were tired. You know, I mean, I'm a different tired now, but that's only because I just don't get enough sleep at night. Your, but your face is tired. Thank you. Yes, yes number one. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Okay. No, do you? Do no, you? No, no. No. Not not at all. Well, next week at this time, we'll be celebrating your uh, your upcoming half century mark. Yes. Yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> you, you look sound so excited. Yeah, it's just a day. Like I said, no big deal. I don't even need a party. You've, I say you've never really been big on your birthday, though. It's not that I'm not big on it. It's just it's it's just a day. It's there's nothing nothing happens. I don't feel any yeah. different, so right. not a big deal. And if, yeah, any, if anybody, people would not want to celebrate my birthday. You know, oh God, he's been here this long. So what the hell are we going to celebrate for? So you know, I understand. Don't I know it? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I know. It was all uh, basically that was that comment was just directed right at you, jerk. Wow. <laughs> oh. No, it's uh it's nothing. It's I, I told Sue I said, you know, don't have to do anything. I don't I don't want anything. So we are gonna go out to dinner with uh, Max and Tasha Saturday night. Oh cool at, at Copper Door. Um and that's that's about it. And we'll get together with the family on Sunday. Um 
to watch the Patriots and stuff like that, but nothing, nothing else. I'm uh, meeting up with uh, Mr. Trek Profiles himself on Saturday night. Yeah. Mr. Yep. Uh, John Krikorian, who's going to yep. be in uh, the New Hampshire sector. Right. Now, um, I, I say what I say, uh, not knowing uh, if something's going on, because I was told to keep my calendar clear for the weekend. So, so yeah, so there you go. But I'm not expecting anything. <laughs> I know nothing. I, Genu- no. Genuinely, oh, I mean... You can say that again. <laughs> no, I know. I knew you were going to say that, but I mean, genuinely, I know nothing. Yeah. So, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. All right, well... Uh, are you ready to uh, to to do this uh, soon to be a birthday boy? Ready to face off? <laughs> Your face off? Yeah, that's that's yes. Let's do it. Okay, bye bye. Coconut.